Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Um, I believe that when God gives us a pretty clear command in the Bible, um, we're meant to follow it. I know there are some gray areas, but there's some pretty clear commands in this passage of Scripture. So Ephesians 5, starting from verse 15. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. And another interpretation of this says, don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's a pretty clear instruction in there. There's actually two. One is don't get drunk because it leads to debauchery. But the other one is be filled with the Holy Spirit. And today we're not going to be living on the first one um, because that's that's a sermon for another time. We're talking about being filled by the Holy Spirit. Now, it wasn't a suggestion. It simply says be filled. And so if you're a believer today and you've come into this place and you're like, well, I think the Holy Spirit was um, dead and for then, then, oh my gosh, you are so wrong. The Holy Spirit is alive and well and he is moving. But let's talk about being full. Because each one of us, I know there's a bunch of young adults, um, even if you're not a young adult anymore, you're in the room and you have had the experience of being broke as a badger. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Clay's still bro- he's yeah, he's still broke. But we've all had that experience where your friends are like, let's go out to lunch and we're going to a cafe or to like Zambrero's or something, and you're sitting in the corner going, Maybe we could split a roast chook from Coles. And we'll like, we'll measure it up. Whoever eats the most pays the most. Or you're sitting there going, like, we'll go to Macca's or Hungry Jack's and we'll eat off like the um the, the penny savers. Um, like the the those cheesy or oh, those gross cheeseburgers that have like been sitting there for three years. Uh, they, they've up their standards, but yeah. Or the, like the $1 chips. But see, the, the problem with this food, right, is that it does leave you wanting more, right? doesn't matter how, if you eat a Hungry Jack's meal, like an hour later after the brick that was in your stomach has actually digested, like you are craving more greasy, yucky, disgusting, fast food. And it's actually, it's a science that they've got these days. I don't know if you recognize, but when an old person says they don't make things like they used to, they are actually true and they are completely right because washing machines these days are made to break. So they're made to break within, if not a year, within two years because they want you to replace the parts or to buy a new washing machine. That's the idea, right? It's this consumer mindset and social media is is programmed so that you need to come back and get more. It's programmed so that you're always wanting more. Songs these days, the lyrics, the beats, it's, it's always working so that we need to go back for more. And relationships these days. The sad thing is the culture of this world and relationships, they're designed so that you need to go back for more. You need to go back for another because once the freshness wears off and you've actually got to, once the honeymoon's gone and you've actually got to commit, it doesn't seem fun anymore, so you need to go back for more. And unfortunately, it's, it's, it is the state of our world where it just, you're not left full. And I recently got to the end of my teaching degree. And I got to the end, and I thought there was going to be this epiphany moment, right? 
Some people might think this when they get to the end. I know Beck thought the exact same thing. You get to the end of your degree and you're like, there's going to be an epiphany moment where I finally realized, yeah, I was meant to be a teacher and this is awesome and I feel so proud about what I accomplished and I got to the end and the first thought that came over my mind, apart from I'm done, finally I can finish studying, was have I wasted the last six years of my life? Because in that exact moment, I got to the end, and Lisa was like, no, Tim. But I got to the end, and I was like, have I wasted? Because this isn't what I want to do. Have I just spent the last six years just doing something that was, it, it didn't leave me full. It didn't leave me satisfied. And I realized that it doesn't matter how much I strive. If it's not God designed, then it is going to leave you empty. It is going to leave you hungering for more. And so... Thank you. There we go. The first bit of actually feedback I've got. But looking at the context of this letter, I, um, I, I want to have a look at a little bit about the, um, the, the man Paul. Because he compares, believe it or not, if we could get the, the, that first scripture back up, the first slide. If we actually look at this, this is an analogy and a direct comparison between the Holy Spirit and wine. It says, don't get drunk on wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's either one or the other. And to me, I feel like he could come up with some better analogies than comparing God to alcohol. Because I don't think they're really in the same realm. It doesn't seem too smart to me. But believe it or not, Paul is a ridiculously smart man. So Paul was a Pharisee. And if you're not sure what a Pharisee is, basically they just knew the law inside and out. They, were, they would be religious teachers. They were the ones that understood what was going on with the scriptures. They understood the scriptures. They knew them. Like to be a Pharisee, you actually needed to just have memorized. And so the modern, like the regular people, they had no clue what the scriptures were saying. The Pharisees were the ones that told them. So he was a smart man. He was a learned man. And so he's finished being a Pharisee. He encounters Jesus. And up until this point, he's sitting there thinking, I'm going to be amongst other Pharisees. I'm going to be with the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin. I'm, going to be, I'm going to be preaching and I'm going to be teaching to those who are learned, to those who can understand what I'm actually saying. See, when the apostles kind of split and started going on a lot of missionary journeys around, right? Paul should have been the one they left in Jerusalem with the learned people because Jerusalem was where it all came together. But God sent him where his ministry qualifications, where what he had done meant absolutely nothing for him. It didn't matter that he was the smartest guy in the room. He was sent where God needed him. And it took, Paul was preparing for this up until this point in his whole life. And God said, well, will you listen to me and just go where I need you? And I think the thing that sets Paul apart as a missionary, right, is he, he knew his worth. He knew his skills, and in a church, so often we sit there going, I, I know my skills. I know that I'm a great guitarist and I need to be up there playing guitar. But when your pastor tells you, well, actually, I need you to step back from worship entirely and go do something else that seems menial, like going and doing traffic or going and just welcoming at the door instead of doing what you're skilled for, what you know you're good at. Sometimes we get a bit of a stick up our butt and we're like, well, no, I need to go where, I need to go where I'm skilled. But the thing about Paul is he said, you know what, God? If you send me to a place where everything I've worked for is not needed, that's all good because I know you're going to send me there with grace. I know you're going to send me there with authority. I know you're going to equip me how you need to equip me. On, and it's, it's to the point that Paul says, I will go where you need me because there were people in cities that literally Paul was being sent to 
And there's times where, like, you've heard of the statement, hitting your head against a brick wall. You're not getting anything done. You're getting absolutely nowhere. And that's those, there's places that Paul went like that. But he also went one step further. There were cities that he went into that he knew full well. There were people within the city that were looking for him and looking out for an opportunity to simply kill him. And see, most of us, if one of our friends comes up to us and says to us, don't go to the event, there is an assassin there waiting to stab you, does anybody still go? Yeah. No? Yeah. Okay. The crazy people go. But you, you don't go. It, it, is quite, it is quite that simple. That's the smart thing to do. But I'm on the screen behind me. When he heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. So he's just been told there is someone waiting there to kill you. They are waiting for you. And then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. See, Paul doesn't rely on his smarts. The reason he was with the Gentiles is he said yes. The reason he was in a place that he thought, you know, I'm sure in his brain, he's like, well, you know, I'm qualified to be here in Jerusalem. But he went where he's needed, to the Gentiles, to go preach to the people who it was thought, you know what, they're not worth your time. You should be preaching to the Jews. But he, he went where God needed him. I know you feel like what you're doing is going to be fulfilling, but I have a better plan and it might not make sense. But wherever you are going, if you are doing this for me, you will be filled and fulfilled. But I mean, God left Peter with the Sanhedrin. So a lot of you, when I say Peter was definitely had no right to be there, a lot of you will probably think, well, Peter's the man. He was like Jesus' right-hand man. Peter was actually a fisherman. And now for Peter to be a fisherman, it actually meant that he was dumb. Yeah! <laughs> There's hope for Nick yet. Um, but it actually meant that like, he, he was not the smart kid that you sent off to school. He was that kid. He was that kid who you didn't send to school. He, he, you'd be sent out into the field to work in the field. You'd be sent to just plow or you'd be sent to go be a fisherman. And he, he was that son. He was not the one that would become a rabbi. He was not the one that you sent to learn. Yet Peter was the one that was left with the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem to actually do the work while Paul went and preached, these, preached and wrote these letters all around the area. And how good is it? And it's amazing that it, it, it's not your earthly knowledge or your perceived capacity that qualifies you to preach the gospel or to be effective for God. It's the grace and anointing that God provides that qualifies you. So I'm going to say that again. It's amazing that it's not your earthly knowledge or perceived capacity that qualifies you to preach the gospel or be effective. It is the grace and anointing God provides that qualifies you. So I just wanted to challenge, I don't know who it is, but there's somebody in the room. If you feel like you are not qualified and you're in a space where you're not ready for it, Paul was sent somewhere where his skills were absolutely useless, but God gave him everything that he needed in that moment to be effective. And God will do the same for you. But back to Paul's letter. So he says, don't be drunk, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I've got to be honest, I have made my mistakes with alcohol. Um, I've been 18 years old. I'm happy to admit I have definitely made um, some choices in my life that are not the smartest or that 
I'd probably regret. And there's other people I know that probably haven't. But there, there are some people in this room that haven't touched it and all power to you. That is beautiful. But there's something that happens, and we all kind of understand this, I think, when you come under the influence of alcohol and what Paul's talking about, being drunk. You can't really come properly under the influence and still remain the same person. Everybody changes a little bit. Like, it just it happens. They, uh, they change the way they walk because they can't walk straight. They change the way they talk, talking a little bit slurred. They change the way they act. Has anybody ever noticed that people get somehow very courageous when they're under the influence? Yes. Yep. Blake knows. Um. <laughs> so I know, I know, I know. Um, but they're not quite the same person. And there's a little bit of a misconception, I think, before I get to my favorite part of this sermon today. There's a little bit of a misconception that I think some of us live under that if you like aren't filled with God, you're just feeling a little bit empty. And see, sometimes we think like there's some days where I just, I don't feel close to God, so I'm a little bit empty of God. The reality is you are always filled. The question is, what are we filled with today? So the question is, what are we filled with? Because if you're feeling empty of God, it's not that you're empty and there's just a space there. You're always filled. So what are we actually filled with today? So today we're actually going to use... Um, the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to use the analogy of spirits. But can I please have my... Um... Yeah, it is. It's in my bag. Why do you think the bag's so heavy still? Right there. It's not there, because I moved it earlier. <laughs> That's better. My bad, my bad, yep. All right, so we're going to talk spirit and the Holy Spirit. Yes, that is vodka. Um, but let's talk about what Paul was talking about. See, vodka is referred to as a spirit. And when people partake of this spirit, they change. See, there's not one person in this room right now that could drink even... What's left? We can all see it's about halfway. There's not a single person that could drink that and remain the same. Not a single person. You, could, you would not be walking straight. You would not be talking right. You would not be acting the same. You could not partake of this. Even probably a good, even half of that, and you would be changed. You see, it changes the way we talk, but, but here's the issue. And this, this might challenge you a little bit. If it does, brilliant. I feel like these days we have more respect for the potency of what's in this bottle than we do the person of the Holy Spirit. So let, let me explain that, right? So there's nobody in here that would neck this bottle right now and then be able to walk the same. Also, you wouldn't neck this because that would not be safe. That would just be stupid. Yet, yeah, so the way we drink this, right, is you, you've got a shot glass. And you take a shot, or you t take a sip. You take a small amount so that you can slowly control the amount that is going into your body, right? Yet we've got so much respect for that, yet recognizing that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has the wonder-working power to change our life and change and alter our eternity. Yet a lot of us, a lot of the time, myself included, each week, are willing to just sip of the Holy Spirit. See, for this to actually change you, you've got to get enough in you. 
I can take a sip of this. It's not going to do anything. And I can take a sip of the Holy Spirit. But if I've only taken a sip, what's filling the rest of me? See, what's filling the rest of me? So we, we get, do you get where I'm going? Where I said, we've got more respect for this. Because we'll administer this slowly because we know the effect that it can have. But why are we doing the same thing to the Holy Spirit? See, we hinder the conversation at church services because we've, we have this time of worship. And I'm about to step on my own toes here. We have this time of worship where we get close to God and we start to feel the presence. And then that's the only sip you get because the preacher needs to preach now. It's time to stop. Or we go afterwards and it's like, oh, gee, I'm just loving the presence of God. But Sunday lunch, I'm so hungry. And my goodness, Mason and Bird is calling right now that fried chicken burger. And all of a sudden, you're out of it. You're off. See, we hinder the impact of God because we're only sipping. See, and I want us to ask the question today because I'm not against preaching on Sunday and I'm definitely not against Sunday lunch. I want us to ask the question, am I limiting my time to drink deep of the Spirit of God and let Him minister me Minister to me because I am only allowing snippets of my life to be impacted. I don't know about you, but here on Pentecost Sunday, I'm not here to be a sipping saint. Trademark. I'm not here to be a sipping saint. I don't want to sip of the Holy Spirit. I want to be radically and fundamentally changed from the inside out as I drink deeply of the Spirit with a full immersion. I want to be filled to the brim. Because the Holy Spirit, when He's able to come on us, and fill us entirely when we're not leaving any reservations. James left had an amazing sermon at youth where he talked about being sold out for Jesus. And see, when you go to a shop and your favorite, his favorite lolly was killer pythons, is sold out, you can't actually get anything else. There's nothing there to get at. And so when you are sold out for Jesus, the, the devil's got nothing to hook himself into. There's no flesh for him to grab at. There's no, oh, he's got killer pythons in his hand. That's, but th- there's nothing left for him to grab at. So when, the, when we're sold out for Jesus, when we're sold out for the Holy Spirit, there's nothing left for him. So today, I don't want to be a sipping saint because the Holy Spirit, he changes the way we walk. I mean, when somebody drinks of this, enough of this, it changes the way they walk. And we've all seen those videos, the RBTs, where the people have to walk in a straight line. And if you've ever watched somebody who's drunk, they can't watch, walk in a straight line. Oh, there's that really funny one about that, um, that like Texan cowboy guy. Has anybody seen that one? Yeah, you know the one where he's like, and then he d- does the dance, he's like, and you do the, Wee-haw. yeah, all right, you know what I'm talking about. But they, they can't walk straight. See, Spirits will make, and spirit, and also, sorry, disclaimer, I should have given this. When I'm talking about spirit and the spirits, it's not just alcohol that we're talking about here. See, it says don't get drunk on wine because it leads to debauchery. It will ruin your life. There are a million other things that will ruin your life. So I'm talking about the way of this world. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the devil's influence in our lives. When we give in to the spirits of this world, this is just my analogy, and it's good because it's an image, but when we give in to what the devil's got, and what culture says how we need to live, that's when things start to change. Because just as much as the Holy Spirit can change us, this world can change us. And see, spirit or things of this world, they'll make you walk crooked. But the Holy Spirit will make you walk Christ-like. See, Ephesians 5 verse 1 to 2 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us 
and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It says, and walk in love. If you want to see the way that you walk in life be different, if you want to be walking after Jesus, it, it's, it, when you're walking and you've got a name, you've got a place that you need to be, you walk with purpose. But you'll notice that when we're caught in things of the world, we start to walk astray because there's no purpose. So we walk back to old habits. See, you, you can't, we, we can't be filled. We can't walk with purpose and with love on a sip. Nothing changes until you get nothing changes until you get enough of this on you. And nothing changes unless you're going to get enough of the Holy Spirit in you. You can't watch one sermon a week, pray a few times, and then worship when you can. And I've been reminding myself of this. It's been breaking my heart how bad my prayer life has been and how bad my Bible time has been recently. And in reflecting while I was writing this sermon, I, it just it scared me how little time I was spending because I was making the excuse, and it, it was pray and worship when you can. But if, it's all, if we're always saying when you can, you will always make an excuse because there is always demands on our time. I think we need to change that, change that dialogue to pray and worship where you can. And so sometimes we think, okay, well, then I, I pray in my quiet place. I pray, I pray at home in my, in my closet or I pray and worship at church. But Jesus was actually pretty clear about where we can pray and worship. So we're going to go there. So woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. So at this point, this Samaritan woman saying, hey, where do I worship? You Jews say I need to worship in Jerusalem. But we've always worshipped on this mountain. But Jesus is saying, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Skip down to 23. Yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. So Jesus in this moment saying it's not about a position. It's not about a place. You don't worship in the, in, down at the temple or up on the mountain. Because when the Holy Spirit made his home in our heart, when Jesus came and made his home in our heart, we became the temple of God. And that means you worship wherever the temple is. And if we need to worship a temple, if we're, meant to, if we're meant to make our way to temple, then the temple is wherever we are. And that means worship and prayer needs to happen wherever we are. So we need to change that dialogue. It's not when. Because every single one of us, and I hope I'm challenging you, I'm cha I've been challenging myself with this. Whenever we say, I'll pray and worship when I can, or I'll pray at the end of the day. The end of the day comes around, and I guarantee you've got dishes to do, or you need to be at band practice, or you need to be at midweeks, or you've got footy training, or you've got to cook dinner, or you didn't vacuum the house, and mum's on your case because of it. And the time slips away. So when you change that dialogue, worship and pray where you can. See, if you want your walk to change, you have to be filled. And the reason why we keep going back to stuff. Anybody here keep going back to stuff that they, they shouldn't go back to? Stupid habits. Cool. There's two of us, three of us. Good. All right. Cool. It's good to see that we're all holy. Um, but we, we go back to stuff that we shouldn't, right? And the reason being is because we're not, we're not filled. The, st the reason why we start walking but we, we go back to what we just walked out of is because we're walking the way the world wants us to walk. See, we're walking crooked. 
when the Holy Spirit comes on us, we're walking after Christ. See, it changes the way you walk, and the Holy Spirit can change the way you walk. Don't be a sipping saint. You can't live off a sip. Second thing that the Holy Spirit changes is he changes the way that we talk. Once again, show me somebody who's filled with this, and their conversation changes. I'm sure we've all probably heard a conversation at one point or another. So in a calling with that stomach weekend and how did he just kick the and he just smacked the lip and wow and it changes the way that they that they talk. It changes the way that we talk. And see that but the Holy Spirit in the same way, he changes the way that we talk. We can either be influenced by the world, and you'll notice. When somebody's influenced by the world, the way they talk completely shifts. The way they talk completely changes. The spirit will change and give boldness. Has anybody ever noticed that when people are also under the influence of this spirit or a particular spirit, wine, beer, whatever, um, there's a boldness in what they speak and they'll say things that they never would have before? Yeah, God's got the same boldness for us. See, you speak out and say things that you never would before. But why is it that we're, meant to, we're called to boldness? And I'll read some scripture in a moment about the fact that we're called to boldness again and again in the word. It talks about being called that we're meant to be bold. Yet so many saints, so many Christians are too scared to actually speak in the heavenly language, to speak what God has, to speak in tongues. It feels disingenuous or it feels, it feels like, it feels like I'm, I'm just, I'm faking it. It feels dishonest to me. It's like, I mean, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, let it loose. I don't want to speak in tongues. I can't control it. And see, the, the wording that Paul uses um, when it comes to actually filling in this, in this scripture, when he talks about be filled by the Holy Spirit, it's actually got connotations and it's attached to the word dominate. So when, when Paul's actually saying to be filled with the Holy Spirit, he's saying to have the Holy Spirit dominate your life. And that means if, somebody, if you're in a dominant position, what happens is what you want permeates through everything. Paul is saying we need to reject the world's offer and be filled in such a measure that the Holy Spirit's thought processes and the way Jesus speaks dominates our tongues. So when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm not talking partially filled, see, you're always, you're always filled. And you could be 80% filled with the Holy Spirit, but if you're not sold out, the devil's still got something to grab off the shelf. He's still got a part of your life to grab off the shelf. Until we're fully sold out, until our tongues, until our minds, until our hearts, until our lives, until our sex is sold out for Jesus, there's always something that he can grab at. But you'll start forgiving those that you thought you would hate the rest of your life. You'll start being generous with your words and your love to people that you thought you'd never talk to again because they'd wronged you so. You start praying for people that you've been hating on for the longest time. Why? Because somebody else is in pole position of your mouth. Somebody else is saying, this, this is what it means to speak. I don't know why I'm extending such grace. You hurt me so. But gosh, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. God has a plan for you. Proverbs 16 verse 24 says, Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. And I think we all really need to hear this from time to time. But if your mouth has been running, running gossip, 
if it's been running slander, if it's been running, been running hateful words, if, if it's been running judgment, whatever it may be, sometimes we need to consider for a second, what has me filled up? And I've caught myself in way too much gossip recently. And that's a humbling thing when God challenges you on that. But sometimes we just need to step back and question, what on earth is coming out of my mouth? What has me filled up today? Did I start my, did I start my day in the Word? Have I been going back to pray? When we start to notice, uh, like, yeah, it's like, I'm not a swearer, but I'm starting to swear. What has me filled up today? When I'm starting to talk bad about friends, family, co-workers, whatever, what's got me filled up today? Because it's not the Spirit. Because if it was the Spirit, one of the things that happens is you're filled with the fruits, and the, one of the fruits is love. Self-control. Self-control means gossip can't come out of your mouth. Love means hate can't come out of your mouth. So what has us filled up? See, we need to be dominated by the Holy Spirit. Our, our, our words need to just, just be permeated with the Holy Spirit. And that can't be done with a sip. That can't be done. If I take a sip of this, my, my, actually my voice probably will die um, because it'll just kill my throat. But um, it's not going to change the way you talk. It's not until we're filled with something that it actually affects the way we talk. And lastly, the other thing it does, it affects the way you act. And I mean, when, when it comes to this particular spirit or something like this, um, you, I'm, a bunch of us have probably seen the shyest people on earth, like the most reserved, laid back, like kind of the normally chill in the corner people become like, they've done like that Hulk transformation where all of a sudden it's, whoa! Wow, that was meant to be a screech, and that wasn't. Um, but like, all of a sudden, they become somebody different. And all of a sudden, what comes out of their mouth becomes a little bit reckless, really quick. Like, you've, have you, anybody ever had that one friend who's like, we need to find a lake? And you're like, why? We just need to find one quick. I have an idea. That's a scary statement. Or the other friend who, normally shy, not bold, doesn't, doesn't speak out and says, you know the crane on the top of those, ta- of those like, Sky rise is being built. Let's steal it. It's, it's like, it, changes, it changes the way we act. All of a sudden, there's this boldness. And has anybody ever heard the term that this is also referred to as liquid courage? Liquid courage. People who, who are consumed, people who partake, and people who might be overcome by especially this spirit. There's, there's a boldness. There's a difference. There's a courage. There's a... There's a there's no shame. Somebody who's partaking in that has no shame. And yet we are called to live courageously. We are called to live boldly. For the Lord is with us. And God, God, it, the word tells that God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And in Acts 4 verse 29, if I could have the worship team, it says, Now Lord, consider their threats. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. See, the Lord hasn't called you to live a life of timidity or trembling. And he definitely hasn't called you to be a mountain mover some of the time. He hasn't called you to a prayer life that is some of the time. Or to preach the gospel when you're in a good mood. See, Jesus, the King of Kings, died that the enemy would have no power over you anymore. We have all authority under heaven and earth. 
And that means there should be boldness that comes with it. But notice something for me, if you will. See, the schemes of Satan. And notice how easily I was able to compare the influence of alcohol to the influence of the Holy Spirit. And what that's taught me over the last little while. And so when we talk alcohol as well, this was, this was just, it was talking about drunkenness. But when, when we talk about, because also, um, I'm not, please don't hear it all. I'm definitely not saying you're not allowed to drink alcohol. Jesus drank wine. So anybody who says it's not Christian to drink wine or alcohol, they're wrong. Um, Jesus drank wine. Um, I'm talking about the drunkenness that comes from um, excessive use. But when, when it comes to the schemes of Satan, when it comes to when he's moving, notice how it so closely parallels and can so closely resemble what God is doing. Because Satan is a master deceiver. He is a master deceiver and he wants nothing more than for you to think that what you're doing is God's will. When really he's got you all tied up. But there's, one, there's a few things that Satan can't do. He can't manifest the gifts and he can't manifest the fruits because only God is love Satan can't work in love and so when there is a change in your tongue you'll notice when it's the Holy Spirit when you speak with love with kindness with gentleness with peace with patience you'll notice there's a change in your walk in life you'll notice the direction that you're taking and what you're pursuing will change when you're under the Holy Spirit, when you have self-control. When there's goodness in the way that you walk, the way that you serve others, when there's faithfulness, you'll notice that there's a change in your actions when the Holy Spirit is on you because you will have self-control. There'll be joy in the things you do and you'll do what you do out of love. And so, if, I, if I've challenged anybody today, if, if, if not, brilliant. But if, I, if I've challenged you that the way we talk, walk, or act, and you've noticed it's not, not the way, it's, it's not displaying the fruits, it's not manifesting the gifts, then we're going to come into a time of prayer and intercession. And I want to encourage you, if, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit with a full measure, we're not talking a part measure here where there's 10% left that Satan can grab at and then before you know it, because that sin starts to weigh you down, you start to get caught in other sin and it's a spiral and before you know it, most of what you've got is back on the shelf and Satan can grab at what he wants. I'm talking about sold out, spirit filled, all that you have for Jesus. Then when it comes to the time of prayer and intercession, we've got some amazing prayer warriors that I've asked to come along tonight to just pray and to be pray filling. And if you don't want to, then by all means, when we come back into worship, please worship. And just worship with everything you've got because our God is always worthy. But I wanted to end with one last thing. There's one last thing that we can learn from Paul's letters. And it was where he was writing them from. Because Ephesians was written whilst he was in prison, right? And so this context can let you know. And we're not talking like a nice cushy prison we have today. There are seniors in our like, local areas that would prefer to be in prison because they get their three square meals a day. They've got a TV in their room. They've got the lights on. They don't have to pay their bills, things like that. We're not talking a cushy prison. 
We're talking, he was, he, was in, he was in the inner sanctum with no windows, no light, muddy floor, no bucket for your human excrement. It was, it was a gross place. But we can take an encouragement that you can be going through the worst season of your life and you can still encourage yourself and others even though things are not going well for you. You don't, I don't know who needs to hear this right now, but anytime you look at a prison letter like this written by Paul, recognize you don't need to have everything going right in your life in order to praise God. You don't need to have your bank account filled in order to praise God. You don't need to be able to afford the petrol in your tank to praise God. You don't need to have your life goals in order to praise God. You don't need to have passed your degree. You don't need to have passed that unit to praise God. God, you can praise Him in the middle of your circumstances, your trial and your test, wherever you are right now, and watch your mindset change. But hey, can we, um, can we bring the lights down in this place? And we're just going um, to come into a time of, time of prayer. And if, if anything that I've said has hit home, if, you, if, you just, if you're in this place and you're like, well, I've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know what it's like. That I encourage you in a moment as we come up to worship. Please, please come up. Just in this front space here, we've got a nice big space. And we're just gonna have a, the team pray with you. And God can manifest in any way that He wants, in your body, in your mind. If there's peace that floods you, awesome. If in that moment you start to be overcome in different ways, it's okay. You are in a safe place, I promise. In that moment, the enemy's not working in your life. You've got devoted prayer warriors around you that are just praying that the Holy Spirit would encounter you. So if it's something different, that's okay. Relax and just be at peace in the presence of God. But guys, we don't need to be qualified. God qualifies us. He qualified you because He died on the cross because He loved you that much. And if today you're wanting to change the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we act, then I want to encourage you, don't leave anything on the shelf. When we leave something there for Satan to grab at, it inevitably, he'll keep pulling. And he'll keep pulling. And before you know it, we're caught back. If you've been sitting there and you've been struggling with something that you have been walking back to again and again and again, Every stage of my life where I've done that, I've noticed I'm not fully sold out for Jesus. But when I'm sold out for Jesus, we all notice the things that keep holding us, we leave behind. It's not hard when you're sold out for Jesus. When we let the rest of the world start to creep in, when we let the other influences start to take over, it's when we get caught. So hey, I'm just gonna, um, I'm gonna pray to finish us off. And the team's gonna lead us We've got some awesome prayer warriors and uh, we're not going to stand up the front and wait for you to come up. Any of the prayer warriors in this place are just going just to worship. And if you want to be filled with a full measure here on Pentecost Sunday, if you want the gifts to be released, if you want a baptism of the Holy Spirit tonight, then I'd encourage you just to walk forward. And we'd love to just pray with you in this space. But as well, my final challenge before I pray. Lots of challenges. I talked about before, don't be a sipping saint. And that we, we can sometimes just limit what God's doing because 
we've got someplace we need to be. It's 6.45 and we're meant to end at 7. But I'd encourage you, if you're wanting change and if you're wanting the Holy Spirit to impact and counter you, then your timeline needs to just go out the window because God will do what He needs on His time. So if you need to wait here for the next six hours, it's going to be a very late night for you, but wait here for the next six hours. Take the time and let God do what He needs to do in your life. Because, hey, one of those fruits that Brad talked about this morning, I love that we're doing Holy Spirit series. One of the uh, things was patience. It's just waiting for God to move. But hey, would you bow your heads and let's pray. Father, we ask right now in this space, would you just come and encounter us? God, we're desperate for your presence. We're desperate for filling from you. We're desperate for you. We ask, Holy Spirit, start prompting us even now. And I just, I'm getting a stirring in my spirit right now. There's somebody who wants to come up but feels like it's just going to be weird and they don't want to do it. If the Spirit is prompting in you, then when we answer with obedience, everything changes. There's nothing awkward and weird about saying yes to God. But Father, would you just, would you have your way in this space? Would you encounter and change the atmosphere, we pray? Have your way, we ask, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen.